Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. But uh, I want to continue in the same vein that we've been at, and um, I want to talk about the wilderness this morning. Let me ask you this by a show of hands, just, and you can be honest. How many would just be honest and say, man, it's really been tough the last little bit? Are there anybody in the room? About maybe, maybe, maybe five of us. How many say it's been off the chain good the last little bit? Well, how many just don't even give a rip? I'll do that. Ask that question. <laughs> but um, I, I got something I'm telling you that's going to help you this morning. It's going to help me. Um, Word of God's powerful, and it does bring hope and encouragement. Um, listen to this. Um, I wrote this down the other day, and I actually heard someone say this, but God's cycle, of his, his cycle in our lives is a promise, a process, and a promotion. Now, when I pray, I really want the, prom- I really want the promotion, but God releases a promise, then there's a process, and then there's a promotion. Now, think about this. And I said this statement last night. There's nothing really gained in the kingdom of God, only inherited. We don't gain it through striving, sweating, achieving, trying to make it. We only inherit. And we inherit to the level of maturity that we're at. How many knows that God's trying to grow us? Come on, y'all going to help me? We had 25 last night, but we were throwing down. Hungry people. Let me just say this too. And this is, no, this is no rebuke to us, but one of the things that Matt, he's just went out to, with, he, he was actually along, I think, with 50 other worship leaders with Rick Pino and uh, uh, Stephanie Gretzinger this weekend. And Rick Pino shared this, that he said he met the guy that was one of the leaders of the underground church in China. And he said, in all of my years of ministry, if there's one thing that I could share with you, he said, never waste your time on people that's not hungry. Now, here's the greatest revival scripture in the Bible. It says, he that is full loatheth the honeycomb, but to whom that is hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. See, the hungry can look past what we don't have. They can look past style. Come on now. And Stanton can test to this. Last night, we had whoever that keyboard player was. I don't know, but my God. I mean, he was unbelievable. And, uh, and he said at the keys, and the, the worship leader was sick with a sinus infection, so he didn't have the best voice. But we opened up with the anthem. And I mean the power of God just flooded that place. And I was standing on a small stage in Valdosta just weeping under the power of God. I mean the presence of the Lord filled that place. So God doesn't move with our songs. He moves with our hearts. And our hearts, when our hearts are turned towards Him and hunger for Him. And so this morning, what I've found, and I've been studying a great deal on, and Damon's been preaching on it for a while, is about the wilderness. And this morning, what I want to say, most of us, when we hear about the wilderness... When we hear about the desert place, it is not a fun place. But I want to try to to paint a a new picture of the wilderness this morning. That the wilderness is actually a great place. The wilderness is a place that we all want to run to this morning. And so instead of asking God to please remove this cup from me, I'm learning how to sit and say, Father, I know that through your wisdom, this is what you use. 
Now, I want to start with the scriptures that I've been using out of 1 Samuel 16, and I'm not going to read them, but if you will, find Deuteronomy chapter 8. That is where we'll begin to read. I just want to set this up. So this morning, we're going to talk about the wilderness. We're going to talk about God's cycle of promise, process, and promotion. And I want to use the scripture where we opened up a few weeks ago on 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. This is where David is anointed to be the king of Israel. I've went over this several times, but for those who are not here, we'll go over it one more time. But David, uh, Saul, Saul is uh, being rejected as the king. God speaks to Samuel and says, how long will you mourn for the house of Saul since I have rejected him? Rise up and go to, to Jesse's house for I have a man there that's going to be after my own heart. Now, one of the reasons that Samuel struggled because God sent him to go anoint a man. But when he got there, he did not find a man. He found a boy. But how many knows that the man was inside the boy? He just had to be developed into what God said. And what I'm learning, what God is building, listen, what God is building in our lives will never be accomplished in our lifetime. We only a part of the puzzle. Come on, somebody. We're only a part of the puzzle. What God is building. I was listening to uh, Bishop Vron one day and he said, if, if your dream that is in your heart can be built in your lifetime, it never came from God. Our job is just to move the baton in our lifetime to leave a legacy behind us, to plant our lives into a generation and really to live for a generation that we may never see. And God started instilling that in my heart years ago. I had this dream. I shared this with you before that I had this dream but that I was in Redding, California. And I was, I was leaving. I was in Chris Valentin's office and I was leaving. And in my dream, he said, he said before you go back to Georgia, he said, make sure you go and see. Um, make sure you go see Pastor Bill. And I went to go see Pastor Bill. And I, I, when I pulled up to his house, I was amazed at what he lived in. And, and I know in the natural, Pastor Bill lives in a nice place, okay? But this is how it was in my dream. In my dream, this place was not, there was not nothing that would be desired that you want to look at. And Benny was coming down the stairs and she said, Bill is inside, go on in. And I went in and I looked at him and I said, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, I'm amazed that this is what you live in. And he looked into my eyes and he said, I'm living for something that I will never see. And I'm telling you, you and I, believe it or not, every day through we go out through life, we're building something, friend. Are you with me now? We're either building unto ourselves or we're building something on the eternal rock. And anything that is not built on the eternal things of Jesus Christ will wash away. Are you with me now? God is looking to build the eternal in our lives. So David is between 10 to 13 years of age. He sees the entourage pull up. Uh, 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 Jesse sees the entourage pull up at his house. He runs his son out there. Notice that in this, that David was not even a candidate. Aren't you glad that people that overlook you, but God knows who you are, come on somebody, and that God never overlooks us. David is on the backside of the desert. He's in the wilderness. What we got to understand, it is, it is the wilderness that God uses to form us into the promises that he has for our lives. That's God's school. That's, that's, that's where he teaches. He, he, he teaches in the wilderness. He uses the lessons of life to train us, just like Miyagi used paint, uh, paint the fence and wax the car to train young Daniel's son into a fighter. God uses these things to train and equip us. 
And so David is anointed to be king. He hears the ram horns is poured out over his head in front of all of his brothers. And he hears this, he hears this prophet prophesy over his life that you're going to be the king of Israel. And you would have think that God would have took, and if, if God was calling him to be king, that he would have moved him right next to the palace. But instead, David goes back to the wilderness. He goes back to taking care of the flock of his father, Jesse. And it is in this season and in this place, in the backside of this desert, that David develops three keys in his life that we went over. He develops intimacy with God. See, friend, listen, it's one thing to go to church, but if you ever get the revelation that you can have the presence of God in your house, in your prayer room, in your car, that's a whole nother level. Come on, somebody. I remember when I was 18 years old and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, but when I got the revelation, Sister Katie, that the same Holy Ghost that was meeting us on Sunday nights in our church was the same Holy Ghost that was in my bedroom. It put me at a whole nother level. We are never going anywhere until we learn how to have relationship with God. Hello, give me some of this mic right here. We, we've got to learn how to develop that. David learned how to develop that. We, I'm just going through some, some review right quick. But when David showed up in the Valley of Elul in 1 Samuel 17, the children of Israel were held up by Goliath. And Goliath had tormented and, and Saul was, was, was beaten and battered by this giant. And he said, if anybody can take him out, has anybody got the courage? He said that I will go, uh, I will give, my, to be able to marry my daughter and I will give him a house and he won't have to pay taxes. And, and David rises up and he hears this. And he says, I will go fight this, this Goliath. And, and, Saul, and Saul looks at him and says, but you're just a young kid. But notice this, that David had developed a history with God. And he didn't develop the history with God in the house. He developed the history with God in the wilderness. Come on, Larry. He said, when the lion came to get the sheep and when the bear came to get the sheep, your servant rose up and the Spirit of God came on me. And the hand of the Lord came upon me in my slingshot. And I took out the lion and the bear. I'm telling you, this is how we, everybody wants promotion. But do you have history? What kind of giants have you slayed in your life, friend? What kind of bears do you got mounted on your, on your walls? And so now we see that after, after 17 or 20 years later, through David's process, he had to learn intimacy with God. He had to learn how to live in community. 400 men that was broke, in distress, rejects of society, come and join David in the cave of Adullam. But the anointing that was upon his life and the development that God had placed on the inside of David was able to mold and shape these 400 men that he later writes in 2 Samuel 23 of the mighty men of Shammah who went and defended a whole field of lentils. You know, great men of God. But it's 17 to 20 years. We read in 2 Samuel chapter 5 that David is now 30 years old when he began to bear the fruit of this word. And I just want to help us this morning. After being with the Lord for 20 years, I wish he was a microwave God. But he's not a microwave God. He is a crockpot God. He is, he is pictured as a farmer. And God is looking for people to take the seeds of his promises, hide them in their heart and ponder over them until they bring those seeds into maturation. 
and all of us in here are believing for a great move of God to come and sweep through this region. I want to tell you that the move of God has already began. Come on, somebody. We're not waiting on something to show up. It is already here. That is one thing that we've got to tell the church. The church is in. Well, one day it's coming. It is already here. We don't have to say, come Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is already here. Chris could tell you this this morning. He was privileged to see Dr. Summerall preach at World Harvest Church. And we used to sing the song in the old Pentecostal church. Send him on down. Send him on down. How many remember that? Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. And Pastor Summerall looked at him and said, never sing that song again. He's already come down. He's already here. He is in us, friend, this morning. Regardless if we got the goosebumps, regardless if our hair is standing up, God is with us. We have the promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. So this morning I want to take some time to try to change the way we feel about the wilderness. God gives a promise to Abraham that your children's going to be in bondage for 400 years. Then I'm going to visit your people. And I'm going to visit them and I'm going to take them into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a good land. So between that promise, between that promise to fulfillment, what Joshua takes them in, we have the book of Exodus. But we also have the book of Numbers in Deuteronomy. It's a story of that wilderness journey. There will always be the wilderness, listen to me, between the promise and the promotion. And how we carry ourselves in the wilderness will determine how long we're there. So let's look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God, man, I'm telling you, I'm full with this this morning. Mm. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you was to keep his commandments or not. Look at verse 3. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you known that man shall not live by bread alone but by but but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the lord your garments did not wear out nor did your foot swell these 40 years you shall know in your heart that as a man chastens his son so the lord your god chastens you Therefore, you shall keep the commandment of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land and a land of brooks and water of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. 
Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have been have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when you hurt and when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, and were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty lamb, where there was no water who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna with your fathers, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end. You got to see the wilderness is the good thing, friend. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord God, for it is he who gives the power to get wealth, that he might establish his covenant with his war to your fathers, as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish, as the nations which the Lord destroys before you. So shall you so shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord. The wilderness is not God's rejection, but his place of preparation. The children of Israel perceived the wilderness as punishment, so they murmured and complained, and it cost them the promised land. We said this when God speaks, our talk must line up with what he's saying regardless if my situation changed. And how we know we believe what God said, just as Hannah, when she was on that mountain, when she had no child, but the priest got up and said, Eli got up and said, may God grant unto you your very request. The scripture says she was of sad countenance and she did not eat. The scripture says when he, when he released that word to her, that she got up and she was no longer of sad countenance and she ate. That's how we know she believed what God was saying. And what happens is in the wilderness, when we're in time of preparation, there's a, there's a message that everybody in this room needs to listen to by Graham Cook. And I was talking with Stanton about it last night. It is called hiddenness and it is called manifestations. There is times when God is blowing all over you. Your hair stands up right the time you get out of bed. But there are also times when you don't feel like God is nowhere near you, friend. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you that it, nothing has changed? There's just different times in which God is developing different things on the inside of us when we're in times of great manifestation he is trying to teach us our authority come on somebody but when we're in times of hiddenness he's trying to give us revelation of our identity as sons and we use this example that Pastor Dale taught us that just but that, that Asher is fixing to be eight years old his birthday's in May also but and then Grant is 15 I can still pick Asher up and tote him around. He feels me a whole lot more than Grant does. But how many knows that Grant knows a whole lot more about me than what Asher does? Even though he feels us, even though he feels. And so this is the same way that God uses to grow us up. 
And so the, the children of Israel were placed into the wilderness, not because of rejection, not because God wanted to punish them, but God wanted to see what was in their heart. God wanted to grow them on the inside so that when they got to the promised land, they would remember what? It was He that brought them there. Come on, somebody. If we go straight into the promise, we believe we got there on our own gifting, on our own on our own merits. Come on, but how many knows when you go through some things, come on, and God can be faithful to you in that season, you remember. Come on, somebody. You learn how to respect it. You learn how to honor it more because, it, because we paid a way to get there. The wilderness was to humble them and it allowed them to see what was in their heart. And if we murmur and complain in this season, it, it will only hold us here longer. Now let's look at Exodus chapter 15. I'm going to show you how fast people can go from glad to sad. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 14 is the crossing of the Red Sea. This is where they seen God do the mighty miracle of God allowed three million Israelites to cross on dry land. When the horse and the rider was behind them, Moses stood there, cried out to God. God says, stretch forth your rod. He stretched forth the rod. We know that God took the water of the sea and held it back on both sides. And the children of Israel crossed over on dry ground is what it says. Then God released the waters that swallowed uh, Pharaoh, the horse, and the rider. Now look at this verse in verse 15. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea when they went out into the wilderness of Shuram. And they went there three days into the wilderness and found no water. How many days were they there? Three days. Within three days. Hold on, I'll go back, back up. I'm reading the wrong verse right here. Let's start in verse 20. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with her with timbrels and with dancing. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider, he has thrown it into the sea. Now they're all singing and dancing. This is, they just witnessed God do a miracle. And you and I have witnessed God do many miracles. How many knows that it is so, we're so quick to forget what God does for us? Am I the only one in this room? Come on, y'all help me out here. We are so quick to forget what God does. It's like we, that's why you can't live by miracles alone. You got to learn how to live by bread. Come on, somebody. You got to live by the spoken word of God. I've seen God do amazing. Listen, in the midst of this, they just seen God do an amazing miracle. Three million people crossed over on dry land and God stood a sea upon its wall. And three days later, after they get in the wilderness, they get to the place at Mar and the water is bitter. And they begin to complain. How often do we forget the miracles of God that God does for us one week and because the next week things get a little tight, we start complaining. Where is God? He's still on the same throne that he was when he did the miracle. Come on, somebody. Hello, God ain't changed. He's still the same God in the 1940s. Chris that we read about with William Branham when Oral Robinson and them started the tent. He's still the same God. But I'm telling you how quick we are to forget of miracles. That's why you got to write what God does for you down, friend. Come on, somebody. You got to pin it down. 
you got to remind yourself. That's You have to remind yourself, listen, if God come through one time, he's going to come through again. If I've seen him do one miracle, he'll do another miracle. Come on, somebody. And what we've got to learn is just because things are difficult in this time, we've got to realize, hey, God, there must be something. This is what I told him last week. God, there must be something that I am lacking, that I am deficient in on the inside. But I trust you as the author and finisher of my faith. Come on, somebody. Is God not leading us or is he not? Come on, somebody. I'm going to get to that in a minute where Jesus was full of the Spirit, but yet God led him into the wilderness. It was God that took him to that place. Some of the demons we trying to kill, devil, get your hands off of it. ain't got nothing to do with the devil. It's got everything to do with your father putting his hands on you, saying, get in the wilderness, get hidden at a place where I can talk to you alone. Sometimes God wants us separated from everybody where we can just get alone with him, where he can find, where not where he can, but we can and find out really what's in our heart because in this process of the children of Israel what we will see in them they love God for what he could do but they didn't love God this is what most of the church most of the church down here in the south lives by a consumer personality what can you provide for me how good a worship you got we want to say well, what is the, well the worship just ain't good here's a, here's a news flash the worship is never designed to please you the worship is for God come on somebody and if you were hungry you could worship with Vestal Goodman the Crab family Rick Pino or whoever it is because we're not worshiping the song and we're not worshiping the worship leader we are here to worship God and give God the glory for who he's done, for who he is. And whether God does nothing else for us, he is worthy of the praise because he is Yahweh God. Hello. My God, he's hollering. Their hearts. God does a miracle. Three days later, Three days in the wilderness, the waters are bitter, and they're complaining. Let's look at Exodus chapter 16. And they journeyed. Look at verse 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Now look at it. Now they were missing how good it was in Egypt. Boy, we talk about the good old days like it was really good. We living in the best days we ever lived in. I can't get no help up in here. Good old days wasn't good. Now, now they're getting squeezed. Now they're complaining to the leadership, Aaron and Moses. And they said, man, had we had died in the land of Egypt. In Egypt, we had fish. In Egypt, we had all kinds of vegetables. But what they had forgot, that they had taskmasters who was beating their backs. And they're longing back. Now look at Moses' response to them. In verse 8, and Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning, bread to, to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. If we would be honest, 
it ain't that we're upset about the church. And we ain't upset about the leadership. Really, the one we ticked off with is God. Now, look at this. I've quoted this scripture a lot in the last little bit. But Hebrews 12, 2 says that God is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the teacher, and he's the one writing the lesson plans. If he's the one leading us to the wilderness, guess what? The wilderness is exactly what we need. This is where trust has to develop inside of us. We say the song that we trust you, God, but we really don't trust the Lord. I'm talking to, to myself in this. We really don't trust the Lord. Job 23.10 says, But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. What Job is saying, listen, I don't understand what is happening in my life. I don't have any explanation to what's going on. I don't understand why when I pray I don't feel you. But I know this, that you know the way that I should take. Look at your neighbor and say, God knows what's best for me. He's not trying to harm me. He's trying to grow me. The wilderness is not an about the wilderness is not about abundance but about the necessities. It is in the wilderness that we learn that it's not about the abundance but it's about the necessities. The church in this hour has never had more abundance than it has right now and we have the least power that we have ever had. We've got the latest greatest lights, we got the greatest messages, but we have the least power of any generation that has ever been on the face of the planet. It is not the abundance that we need we need God himself my God I'm trying to preach this morning well I feel the Holy Ghost it is not the abundance we need it is in the wilderness that God led them to bring them back to the reality that I am everything you need when he told Moses who shall send me how in the world am I going to deliver this people from Pharaoh he said you tell them I am that I am is with you it's in the wilderness that we learn that God is enough come on friend and if God is with me and if he be for me then who in the world could be against me he is everything we need he is the healer he is the blesser he is the provider he is the encourager everything in the wilderness now it is in this season that God said in Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 that I led you out there to test what was in your heart God is concerned about what's in our heart we said this last night that's why David was not taken to a back room Along the back side of the shed where Samuel anointed him, he was anointed right in front of all of his brothers. And we better establish this right here. God will give promotion right in front of our own eyes. He will bless one right in front of us just to see what's in our heart. He will bless one right in front of us when you've been praying for two years for the breakthrough and you ain't seen God do nothing. He will take somebody that just come into the church living half right and he will bless them with the very thing that you were contending for just to see what's in your heart to see if you can bless Hello? Hello. But he said he led them out there and he caused them to hunger, yet he fed them with manna. How do you, how do you cause hunger, yet you are feeding someone? He was feeding them angels food. So in other words, he was conditioning the spirit man, yet killing the flesh man. The wilderness is a refocus in removing 
of the things that stroke the flesh to get this down to the substance, what really matters, which is the things of the Spirit. Now, Numbers 11:4, they cry out and said, we're sick of manna, we're sick of angels' food. Let me tell you, that's unbelievable, but yet I pastor and I know that you can have the most amazing services and it's amazing how people get comfortable and the spirit of familiarity will get in the church when you can have the latest worship leader. Listen, everybody will love Rick Pino, but if Rick Pino was in here for 18 months, you'd be tired of him within 24 months. Hello? We stand and I got in the truck last night and I said, my God. Well, I ain't going to say that. Let's, let's leave that. Help us, Holy Ghost, right here. They're tired of manna. They're crying out to God. God was sick and tired of eating this manna. Every day they wake up, there's manna. For six days, man appears supernaturally. They just collect it. What's collected on the, on the sixth day lasts through the seventh, and it starts on, through the Sabbath, and it starts back over every day. They eat manna for breakfast, they eat manna for lunch, and they eat manna for supper, and they sick of it. How many knows that God knows what they need? The whole process is to get you to reign into the land in which He's calling you to. Notice how when he led them into the wilderness, he didn't take them right in front of the giants, but he led them on the back roads where they wouldn't see the giants. Because if they had saw the giants right at first, they would have turned back. Come on, somebody. There was only two people that heard that promise that walked across that Red Sea, and that was Joshua and Caleb that walked in the promise because the Bible says they was of another spirit. So they're, they're crying out to God, God, we're so tired of eating this manna. Manna for breakfast, manna for lunch, and manna for dinner. We're tired of it. Numbers 11. Oh, that if we had some flesh to eat. And the Bible says in Psalms 106 that God answered their cry. God answered their cry and He gave them flesh to eat. But He also said this. He sent leanness into their soul. When I don't trust the process that God has for my life I will always end in leanness of soul and when we have leanness of soul we are unqualified to reign over the promise in which he gave us to start with my God that's good it is in the wilderness listen to this that we learn to seek the promiser not the promise all of us in here say that we love the Lord, and I'm talking about me. But sometimes we, it is easy to get caught up in loving what it looks like rather than God Himself. And the wilderness was to remove from them their own selfish ambition and get them into a right relationship with God where you just love the Lord. Because it's not about... It's not about the glitz and the glamour. It's really about the personal place with God, who we are. And let me just tell you this. Who you are when the lights is off is who you really are. Not who you are standing on this stage. Not who I am holding the microphone. See, I know a lot of people love the preacher John Bagley. But few know the man. Hello. 
So it was in the wilderness that God was bringing them to a place to where He just wanted them. And what we got established in this room this morning is God never saved us to work for Him. God didn't save us to use Him. If this is your prayer, this, this, if this is your prayer, let me just show you how it is. This is how we start out, me being in ministry, so I'm going to do it like this. God, would you just use me? God, would you use me to win souls? God, would you use me? Would you use me to cast out demons? Would you just use me? Listen, God never uses no one in this room. Have anybody been you, have, has anybody in here ever been used by a friend you feel betrayed? God never uses you. What we do for God is an overflow of who we are. And let me say this, you can do the stuff without loving God. You say, I don't know if I believe that. The, let me tell you this, Judas was sent out with the, with the 12 just like the rest was. He cast out devils, he healed the sick and everything, but he betrayed Jesus in the end. But let me tell you why. Why did he betray Jesus in the end? Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he, when he went and gave him the kiss, he called him, he called him master, teacher. When Mary said, where have you hid my Lord? When she looked at the angel at the empty tomb, she said, where have you laid my Lord? See, to Judas, Jesus was never his Lord. He was only the good teacher. My God, y'all, come on somebody. I ain't throwing you no grits up in here. This is some good stuff. To Judas, he was never Lord. He was only master and teacher. He was the one that could provide for the ministry and give him plenty of money that he could dip his hands into. But he never really saw him as Lord. And it's the wilderness season that God wants to take us from just he's a blesser to I'm really Lord of your life. I really want you. I really need you. It's all about relationship. And so when we start talking about this, let me tell you some crazy things. When we were talking with Mark, it one of the things he said he did to get the revelation of the love of God, he spent eight months, eight months, eight hours a day sitting with just the book of Song of Solomon. People looking at me like, What? Eight hours a day meditating on the book of Song of Solomon. But you know what he has today that you could never take from him? Is the revelation of God's love. That he is the beloved. That, and the beloved is mine. So it is in the wilderness that God wants to develop that he is the Lord of our lives. Listen, one of the things that has hindered us as a church, and I said this last night. One of the things that has hindered us as a church is the word that we use called destiny. Do I believe everyone in here has a destiny? Yes. But what our preaching of destiny is, is that Larry's got a personal destiny, Cleve's got a personal destiny, Terry's got a personal destiny, and Stanton's got a personal destiny, and we've all went after our own personal destiny. Let me tell you, we can settle that issue right now in this room. The Bible tells you what your destiny is in Romans chapter 8. It says those who he foreknew, he, 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 he predestined to be to conformed into the image of his son. All of our destiny in this room is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Hello. And let me just give you this shocker. This is a shocker. We said it last night. None of us in this room really have a personal purpose. 
because the Bible never talks about your personal purpose. I know Rick Warren wrote The Purpose Driven Life, and I'm not here to, I'm not here to tear that work to pieces this morning. But what I am telling you this, the Bible says all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. What we better make sure this morning is God's story. Come on, somebody. This is his show, his movie. It's all about him. I just am privileged to be a steward, to stand in part of the timeline as a cameo shot in the movie. But he is the star. He is the director. Come on, somebody. It is all about him from Genesis to Revelation points to him. The Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, Jesus. And what we've done is made it about your personal destiny and your personal purpose. And what we've wiped away in that is we have made Christianity self-focused. Now it's about me. It's about me, preacher. Can I get to my destiny? Can I get to my purpose? All young preachers want to preach. But the ones we got, we're going to train to read. Get you a hundred books under your belt, then we'll sit down and listen to something to say. Because then you'll have something to say. Pastor Parson used to come and say, I didn't come to say something, I come with something to say. And you don't come with something to say because you sat down and watched TBN last night. Oh my God, I'm going to quit. Hello. Your study, let me just tell you this. Your personal library is a reflection of where you're at with God right now. If what you're reading is Bassmaster's Classic, that's exactly where you're at. Now get get off of me. Hello. Hello. Who was it that sent us the picture? Was it you, Dusty? That sent us the picture of this long wall. Who sent that out? You did. He sent a picture of this long brick wall being laid. And they laid this wall, this long brick wall. And there was one small book underneath the wall. And it showed the bow in that huge, huge wall and it said the power of one book. We have more resources. Listen to me. I'm not beating us up, but I am challenging us. We have more resources than any church that's ever lived in existence. We have more resources of the Bible, and yet we're the most biblical, illiterate generation that has ever walked the face of the earth. We got people been in church 20 years talking about the good book says. We don't know what the good book says because we've never read it. Hello. I'll be, I'll be done in 20 minutes. Hello. Your library is a picture of where you're headed. What you set before you is a picture. Our personal destiny is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. I ain't really got time to get on this, but listen. We've never lost the image of Jesus, but we have lost the likeness of God. Man was created in the image and the likeness of God. God is putting a church, listen. It started in a garden. It started in the wilderness, and that's where it's going to end, friend. God had a man in the beginning in his image and likeness, and that's the way it will end in the earth. He will have a church in his image and likeness. All right. Listen to this. It is in the wilderness that we reset the focus. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I think it's right after the book of Kings. Colossians chapter 3 if you're looking for it. Ready? Look at this. (laughs) Verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. 
Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Look at me. It is in the wilderness season that we reset the focus and we reset our mind on things above. Because God has got us in this place where he's distracting, he's distracting, he's pulled away everything of the flesh, trying to focus on the inward man. And now he wants you to reset your mind. And let me talk to you right here just for a second on the setting of the mind. When a woman goes to get a perm, gets cur- cur- put, puts her hair in curls or whatever, she rolls them up. You know what I'm talking about? Fellas, y'all seen your wife do this? Roll it up, put it in that little curl thing, and then they set it, right? After it is set, when they remove it, her hair is curly. What I like. Hair is curly. And if you pull, after it has been set, after you pull the hair down, what happens? It goes right back to where it was set. This is where Paul was saying your mind should be set on things above. Our mind should be set that when we're in the wilderness or things are contrary to what we don't like in our lives, our mind should be set, should bounce back on things above. Now, this is where you can tell where your mind is set. Where does your mind go when you leave this church? Where does your mind go when there's not no worship going on? Where does your mind go when you're not involved in a Christian activity? Where it goes then, that is where your mind is set. Oh, it's just so... That's how we find out where our mind is set. But God says, set your mind on things above. That's my prayer. God, I want to be set on things above. Not on the earth, but set on the things above. Now, let's look at Isaiah 43. I'm going to be done here in just a second. I'm not going to preach an hour and a half. We've got to train y'all for something like that. Isaiah 43. I want to show you this verse of scripture. The new wine, which is what we're after, I believe is found in the wilderness. We went, Chuck Pierce released the word. Did he say it was for the apostolic? Is that what he said? The new wine skin was being formed in South Carolina. It's a word that Chuck Pierce, just national recognized prophet. And said the new wine skin is, is in South Carolina. So we go to South Carolina. Listen to this. Because I, I really want you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to get really focused right here with me to help me finish this up. The new wine is found in the wilderness. You got to think about this. Here's a guy that stood on the, mass, the, the greatest stages in America. He leaves all of this. He has an encounter with the Lord. Why he's out in, uh, what is it, Yellowstone Valley? What, when he had that encounter with the little white church? He's in Yellowstone Valley, and he's on this weak excursion with just God out in the wilderness. He's scheduled to be on a very large stage the following day. His flight leaves Mom, and then he goes and picks up his bags, and he's preaching in his large conference, which is what most of the church calls success, by the way. We measure success by how many numbers you're running and how big the finances are. We've got to sure flip that. 
Because if you don't have a lineage you're leaving behind, I don't care how many numbers you've ran and how much money you took, you have absolutely failed. Hello! You have failed. Mark Perry wrote in his book, Kingdom Churches, he says, when casualties outweigh sons, we have a major mistake. Hello? If you call yourself a father, where is the lineage that you can point to? Where are the sons that you are raising? Where are they at? That is where true wealth is found, friend, in what we leave behind. Where are the children being raised in the admonition of God that can take the stage? We had a 13 and 14-year-old leading worship this morning on this stage. That's what it's about. It's not about building something big, running a bunch of numbers. Come on, somebody. You say, well, preacher, you're just saying that because you got 150 people. Let me tell you what I am saying. I am saying I've been in a church where 5,000 is sitting there and there's not no presence of God. There'll be thousands gathered tonight to hear Celine Dion sing in Vegas and there's no glory in that room. But I was with 20 people last night in Valdosta and the power of God was all in that room. Don't tell me it's about numbers. When we can't point, when it's time to hand the mic off, because there will get to the point. Well, I'm on this sidetrack right here, this rabbit. Let me just go and deal with it. Pastor Frank built a building right next to his building. I'm talking about right next to it. I'm talking about you throw the rock and hit it. And his son is pastoring that church. That's totally off-grid and wrong to the model that I've been taught. Because see, if your son is that close to you preaching, you got to be worried about there more people coming to his church than what coming to your church. But if you live with the knife to your throat and realize it's not about you to start with, come on, somebody. It's his movie. Come on, did we forget that? It's his movie. It's his show. And you realize that, hey, it's kind of like T.L. Larry. This is the revelation he got before he left the earth. He said that God spoke to him and said, I must impart before I depart. It's about, it's about setting a generation up to take the baton. And the most dangerous time in the marathon is the changing of the baton. And every marathon, if you run marathons, which I've run a lot, cutting up. Here's the deal. In the, in the, where there's multiple people running, the fastest man is always at the last to make up any ground that has been lost by the ones running before him. Do you understand that Jesus saved the best line to last? And the generations that are coming up are the fastest generation we've ever seen. Come on, somebody. What took us 20 years to pioneer, they're going to pioneer in two months. This is the growth and this is, the, this is what's happening on the earth. And what we've got to do is make sure that we are blazing the trail and building a road that they can get on. Now listen to me about what the wilderness is. When we went, there's 100 people gathered in this room at best. A hundred people gathered in this room and it's not even a church. I want to go back to his encounter. He's in, he's in Yellowstone Valley and he finds this white, little, this, white, this little white chapel in the valley, in Yellowstone Valley. There's no one in there but God and him. And he looks and he says, God, I would give everything. I would give the jets. I would give everything to pastor this church right here. Small, little. So we go there, 
not the Yellowstone, but where is that in South Carolina? Little bitty building, hold 100 people. And there's people, listen to me, from Kentucky, Ohio, Texas, Alberta, Canada, all gathered in this room from all over the United States and Canada. But it's only about 100. Listen to me, you got to lean in right here because if I got something, I'm telling you, I got something right here. Isaiah 43 says, Do not remember the former things. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Remember, David, Saul was, I mean, Samuel was sent to go anoint David. There's still more structure to support the house of Saul right now than there is to support the house of David. Ain't got time to really dive into all that. And this is this is this is what Mark told us. This is a guy in his early 20s that was handed a $23 million sanctuary. Can you imagine being in your 20s and handed a $23 million sanctuary? Had met the who's who's of the greatest in the Christian faith. He looked into my eyes and this is what he said. Did he not say this? Did you not hear him say this? He said, I wish to God I had never met some of the heroes that I held at high esteem because it was fake and baloney. Oh my God, I'm about, I'm about to rip it up up in here. It was about how many books can we sell? How much money can we pad our pockets? What does it matter with how much money we run through this thing if we can't change this community, friend? Hello! We are the salt in the light, and we are the salt of the earth. The light of a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. The blessing of God on our lives is to create, a. it only comes upon you to give greater influence to bless those around you. The moment you make it about you, friend, it will dry up like a cut off water spigot. Hello. So, $23 million sanctuary. He's handed. Something on the inside of him is caving in. The deeper he gets into it, Chris, something's dying on the inside. He's like, God, where are you at? Please listen to me right here, church. I'm telling you, I didn't get this. This is from God right here. Isaiah said, don't consider this. He said, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. I will build roads in the wilderness. And I will cause rivers to pop up in the desert places. What God is doing right now is He's building a road, but He's building the road in the wilderness. He's building roads in the wilderness. Listen, the multitudes do not flock to the wilderness. The multitudes are still hanging at the house of Saul because David is still in the wilderness. But, but when the multitudes find out what is happening in the wilderness, they will flock to it. Now let me, I ain't got time to read all these scriptures for time's sake. And I'm really not worried about that clock. If you get done fire, dude, then God bless you. But you got to understand, John the Baptist, Jesus said, among those born of women, there's none risen greater than John, but he who is least in the kingdom is greater than John. John's father was Zacharias. He was a high priest at one time. So John was destined to become a priest. Was he not? 
He's destined to be a priest. And he is, if he's going to be a priest, he's going to Jerusalem to study in the, in, uh, of the great teacher, Gamiel. He's, he's going to be taught by Gamiel the, and, and he's going to become a priest. But there's something on the inside of John that keeps drawing him. Every time he goes to prayer, he feels this pull to leave everything of normal church, how people do in church. He feels, he feels led to leave. There's something drawing him, and he feels, led, he feels led by God to go into the wilderness. And he, he feels this pushing into the wilderness. And let me talk about this wilderness a little bit in South Carolina. If you're looking for the flash, it ain't there. I mean, he coming out in blue jeans and a black Hanes t-shirt. There ain't no worship that happened that night. We didn't sing a song. He come out and he talked for two hours nonstop. See, in America, we think that we've done something because we give God two hours on Sunday morning. Friend, I'm telling you how far you're behind. I'm not beating nobody up, but I'm talking to us in this room. Fiat sent me a picture of a field in Pakistan. He said, we're having a crusade here tonight. The next picture he sent me, I'm thinking, all right, he's, he's calling for a service. The next picture he sends, there's over 20,000 people gathered in that field. The only place there's a hunger problem is in America. You better settle that in your heart right now. Am I telling the truth, Larry? The only place we got a hunger, the only place we are lagging behind is in Europe and America in Christianity. John feels something that is stirring inside of him. I know that I'm destined to be a priest. My God, I'm lined up to be taught unto Gamil and, 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 and to go to Jerusalem to school and be, be, a, be a priest. But there's something that's there's something in me that's, that's my God, that's, that's not right. So Mark leaves this $23 million sanctuary and he goes to the woods of South Carolina. And he goes to where there's 100 people. You're leaving the who's who of ministry. You just finally made it till now you've got every big shot in your phone and they calling you to come preach. Why would you leave and go to the woods? If, maybe, boy, this is going to get me in trouble this morning. Maybe if the house of Saul is nothing but a fading glory that's passing by day by day, but God is building the house of David, but he's building it in the wilderness. See, for me, I started getting the accolades, but something wasn't right in my inner man that I knew there had to be some, there had to be a different path. But this path is not found out on the main highway. This path is found in the dirt road out in the woods where you got to clear a little bit. See, everybody loves a pioneer after he gets through work, but nobody don't want to help him while he's doing it. And here's what's made it so tough for me because you don't have a manual to look at. The pioneer don't have a manual. He don't have a set of plans to go by. He just has to get frustrated and set up under the juniper tree and want to die. But then God sends an angel of bread down. Come on, somebody, with bread in his hand to feed you for the next leg of the journey. It says, work home, pioneer. Keep cutting. Come on. And I'm telling you, that's what is happening right now in the church in America. People have left modern-day church because of the fake and phony and the... I want to really preach it right there, but you can't handle it. They are leaving it by the thousands and going to the wilderness saying, God, there's got to be more. And John's out here, this weirdo wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey, and he's living out in the wilderness. And Luke 180 says, 
Luke, Luke, Luke chapter 1 verse 80 says this, and John was in the wilderness till the day of his manifestation. Could it be the things we're crying out for and the reason why we're not seeing them is because we're still held up in the wilderness till the day of our manifestation. But when God cuts the manifestation on, it'll be so we will not forget him when we taste the thing. So listen, all I really care about is, I told Stan last night, someone's asked me, what do you been? I just want to build a place God show up. I want to see people worship. I'm talking about really worship. I'm talking about go after it. I'm not talking about coming here and collapse like you're, like you're on your last leg of the journey, but you're really excited about God. I want to see a church that when we open the Word of God, that we value the Word of God enough. It doesn't matter who's preaching it. That's how much value you have for the Word of God. That if a three-year-old standing up stuttering with the Word of God, you value it so much that you're hungry to hear it. Hello? I'm just telling you. If we was in a real warp in here, I wouldn't be able to preach for three weeks from doing funerals. But the lack of focus we have as a church. In times of war, you don't walk like this. If you're not, if you're not fully alert, you're killed by the enemy. All right, let's get on. Got to move on. Got to track. He's in the wilderness to the day of his manifestation. Now look at this. Now we're writing Luke, verse, Luke chapter 3, verse... Luke chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 says this that during the days of Caiaphas Nanus the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness well I feel God all over me right here Ananias Annas and Caiaphas are the ones that would laterly hand Jesus his death sentence. Come on, somebody. They were stuck in this religious system that hadn't seen God move, and they, they didn't even know what a move of God looked like. They were just going through religious exercise. But while they were going through the religious exercise, God had a man tucked in the wilderness. And he was building a new line and a new road. Come on, somebody. He was about to cause a river to burst out here in the wilderness. Now, we read later in Luke chapter 3 that the multitudes start coming to John in the wilderness. And John is baptizing in the, in, the, in the river Jordan out here in the wilderness. And the fresh word of the Lord is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's hollering this message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. No longer is it going to be at a distance. The kingdom of God is here. It's right now and it's within arm's length. We got to press into it. And then we see that Jesus shows up on the scene and he comes he comes he don't go to Annas he don't go to Annas and Caiaphas he goes to the wilderness where God is moving he goes to the fresh move that's on the earth because Jesus would not be identified with the old move he was going to be identified with the current move for what God was doing right now and he looks at John and he said John I need to be baptized and John said I'm not worthy I'm not worthy to baptize Jesus suffered to be so because the ministry that we bought to release on this earth has got to come from this new wave Jesus goes under the water. When he goes under the water, the Bible says the heavens open and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. If you can bear it, friend, that is the same dove that Noah released out of that ark. Come on, somebody. And it have found the resting place on the earth. God is looking for the resting place on the earth. And he can release the dove to stay on the church. Listen. So now, now Jesus, he's baptized into the new movie. He comes up. 
He comes up and the Bible says he's filled with the Spirit. Now we get into Luke chapter 4 verse 1. It says Jesus being filled with the Spirit of God was led into the wilderness. God was putting him back into the wilderness. He said listen John's just a forerunner. He's opened up the brinks but I'm about to burst something. I'm fitting to create a new wave and a new river and a new road in the wilderness. Now we're about to release the ministry of Jesus Christ and he takes him into the wilderness. He's in the wilderness he's tempted by the devil. He uses the same scripture that God speaks in Deuteronomy, 20, Deuteronomy chapter 8 to the children of Israel. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus goes into the wilderness filled with the Spirit. The Bible says he returns out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. The reason we have no power in the church is because we have no wilderness in the church. But I'm telling you, there are people that are getting locked away in the wilderness. Let me tell you what's happened. Listen. What all did he say? Because I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, I can't remember what all he said. Wheelchairs, all of these things were happening in South Carolina. And he said that God instructed on them that only, they've only posted a few videos. Cancer stage four, wiped out. We've seen that in this room. Do I need to remind you? Rick Franklin, stage four cancer of the colon. Me and Junior, he's not here this morning, but I'm telling you what I told Junior. Junior, if he was here, he'd tell you, I'm telling you the truth. I said, if he don't get a miracle, we'll bury him in six months. Thank God he had more faith than I did. Come on, somebody. But I remember the Wednesday night that God told us to go back to the old blue building where it all started. And we went in that old blue building. You remember that night? Anybody remember? You remember the night that we bear hugged him and, and the power of God hit him? Can I tell you that God eradicated stage four cancer that night and that man is still on the worship team? Don't tell me that God is not moving. How quick are we to forget up in this place? Oh my God. Listen to this. Within months of John the Baptist's ministry, God births another ministry, the ministry of Jesus Christ. He returns in the power of the Spirit. Luke chapter 5. Closing right here with this. John's disciples come to Jesus. This is what he said. Jesus, why are your disciples, why are they eating and drinking when we are fasting? And sacrificing. Jesus looks at them and says, the friends of the bridegroom don't, don't mourn while the bridegroom is with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away. Then they will fast. John's disciples got offended because the sacrifice they were paying. Jesus' ministry was reaping the benefits. And now their leader was in prison, about to be beheaded. Come on. So finally, you remember they send the disciples. John's disciples go to... John sends them from prison and says, go ask him. 
After he done declared that, behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Go ask him, is he the one or should we look for another? Jesus goes and sends them back to John and says, you go tell him that the lame is walking, the dead's being raised, the deaf are hearing, and the blind are seeing. Listen what I'm trying to tell you with this. With this move that is being created and is happening, and which I am pressing my whole guts into. Because I've done, I've stood. I stood in the 5,000 seater. And you know what? It ain't no different than this. Hello. Be honest with you, some of it was a show. And I don't like the show. What I like is authentic. That's why I don't care if we worship 30 minutes or an hour and a half. If you want the 20-minute song service, let me give you the four But right now as a shepherd of this house. You need to find you another place to go to church. We will never be the 20-minute song service. There are plenty 20-minute song service going to get up and tell you how you can live the way you want to and still make it into heaven. That is not this place. What we want is we will contend for the things of God. Come on, somebody. And we will worship God with our whole being. Hello! You said, are you not worried about people? Listen, where was people? Where was people when I went in Alma in May of 2006? I didn't have nobody with me but God. And you know what? I found him to be faithful for the eight years I was in that city. Never had to borrow a dime. Listen, where were you at in, in, in 2014 when they all left me for dead? It was God who brought me through that storm. And it'll be God who takes us the rest of the way. Hello. It's the wilderness that God is building. I'm 100% sure of it. Because this is it. We cannot build legacy where there is not lifetime commitment. And so what it is, is you, you start living your life like this and you, you're chasing smoke. And you never capture it. And the very thing you left to chase was standing where you started the whole time. All right. They ain't cut the air on this morning. I'm sweating like I'll get out. I'm, 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 I'm earning my check this morning, glory to God. I'm doing it with sweat. Listen now. Why are your disciples fasting? Why aren't they not fasting? We fasted to get it. Let me tell you this. I wrote this down. Religious spirits always hold on to what God did while resisting to what He's doing. Religious spirits always hold on to what God did while resisting what He's doing. The house of Saul is crumbling like a deck of cards all across this nation. I'm telling you. And this is what I said last night. Hurricanes Tornadoes, none of that kill people. Buildings kill people. And what the buildings that kill people is the ones that were not built to code. And what we do not build on the rock will crumble. Will it not, Chris? How many started out with us? How many? 60, 70 men that used to gather in Douglas. Where are they at today? And I'm not saying that some boasting like we still hanging on. So obviously... We had a lot good, but we had some faulty wiring up in there. 
and people begin to fall by the wayside. So what we have to really extend it back to this is you have to build it. Everything that God does, He does on family. Hello. He builds on family. And a body is connected through through joints and ligaments. Listen to me. The disciples said, we fasted, we prayed, this is what worked for us. Jesus said, we eating and drinking, and this is what works for us. What they failed to realize is God done changed that thing again right before their eyes. And they were still in a previous season. Now what I'm trying to tell you, what makes churches like ours difficult in places, especially here in the South, they find no difficulty in Atlanta, by the way. And they find no difficulty in other places. It's just down here in the South. Because we got a bunch of religious people that think they know God that they've never even seen God. Hello. Boy, I'm, I'm brassy this morning, ain't I? You with me? So why do you sing the song like that? Because we don't got it on no timer trying to see how long we can sing it. We sing it until we get the breakthrough. And I know when breakthrough comes. And the breakthrough we're looking for is not the breakthrough trying to get through demons and all that. We've already shattered that a long time ago. Come on, somebody. Jesus shattered that over 2,000 years ago. The breakthrough we're trying to get through is to break through the flesh. Come on, somebody. And to your spirit, man, can get entwined with God's spirit. Hello. Because everybody brings something different through the door. Some of you spent time with God. Some of you just hanging on by the near thread of your life. Are you with me now? But what I've always been thankful for, when I show up to church, listen, I may be on my last leg, but somebody in that room ain't on their last leg. Somebody came to give God the glory. And if we will worship Him, come on, somebody, as a family, the breakthrough you're looking for will come. So, Damon's in Fresno, California. Preaching on the large stage. And his closing words is this. I can't wait to get back to my hundred people in the woods of South Carolina. And he's had big leaders to call him. He's trusted with his life. And says, you're wasting your life and you're wasting your gift. Let me tell you what wasting your life is. Living it for yourself. Then you've wasted your life. But if I never run 500, but at my funeral, my front row is filled with the ones that I've planted into their life to carry on my legacy, I've lived a fulfilled life. Hello. You with me? My God, let's thank Him for the wilderness. God's given us great, I believe, some some great things that's going to help us make a dent in some things in this community. And we're going to be focusing them. I'm telling you that I'm probably fixing to shake things up the way we do church up in here for the next little bit. But but what what I'm concerned about is fruit that remains. Instead of people just coming to get fat off the teaching. Come on, y'all, right? Let's pray right here. Let me say before you stand up, I want to encourage you right now. If it's bad, if you feel like you can't feel God, you're in a good place. Did you hear what I said? You're in a good place. I'm telling you, I've sought, 
Job says, I sought, he said, I sought you to my left. I've sought you to my right. And I sought you before and behind. I cannot, I cannot perceive where you are. But I know that thou art God. Four weeks ago, I could pull up to that in the woods behind my house, crank Rick Pino up, and it felt like the thousands of angels were surrounding Now I cut it on, I feel like hundreds of demons are somewhere nearby. And so last night when I felt that presence come on me, man, I broke like a dam on that stage. Oh my God. I'd never take him for granted, friend. Are you with me now? He is the one that we gather for. Hello. We will always make, as long as God is with us in this room, and me as the ham, and we can stay straight, we will always make the presence of God the top priority in this environment. You can count on it. Hello. I thought about five people get excited about that. Some say, well, we need, we need more programs. Let me tell you the greatest program you could get, a prayer closet. Father, we thank you today. Chris, you'll love this right here. I heard a message, and I'll share it with you lunch, but about Joseph having three coats. Coat his dad made for him, coat Potter forgave him. Then the coat that he wore when he stood at the place that God had called him his ruler. And I thought about some of the trials that I've been through. And some of you have been through far worse, so I'm not trying to bring up a war story. But after seeing it in the light that God was in it the whole time. See, God puts us in places where you're not going to get a hold of me. You're not going to get a hold of your friend. And you're thinking, where is everybody at? The reason why that is because he wants you and him, and that's it. And after I looked at it from that light, that God, this was you the whole time. Because I was never destined to wear that coat, but only for a season. And God, you stripped that coat from me. No man took it. You stripped it from me. Now I'm thankful. I bless you with the wilderness season of your life. I don't want to be blessed with that. The fresh words you're longing for is found in the wilderness. The new wine's found in the wilderness. The way to refocus your mind is found in the wilderness. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for this house. We thank you for, for all that you're doing in our lives. I thank you that you have not forsaken us. You have not left us. You are with us. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. We take great rest in Philippians chapter 1, that he that hath begun a good race, he that hath begun a good work in us, shall complete it unto the day of our salvation. 
I thank you that you are building a complete work into our life. Father, we, we join in with James chapter 1. We count it all joy when we, we, we encounter such trial and tribulation, knowing that it worketh endurance. And if endurance works, it will work patience, and our faith will be as pure gold. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are, bit, you are fitly furnishing us that we will be the man that lacks nothing. And, Lord, I bless them this week, Father. I pray that those of us that have had the wrong perspective and we've been murmuring and complaining, I pray that you forgive us. God, you know that's been me. And I ask Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media. 